0: Hey, trojan fans it's time to get into the huddle with the peristyle podcast the peristyle podcast is your weekly ticket to usc football and recruiting news don't forget you can download the podcast 24 7 at our new website ParastylePodcast.com. and now here's the host of the Paristyle podcast uscfootball.com publisher ryan abraham
1: Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 78 of the Peristyle Podcast. If you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about the USC Trojans. Today is August 12th, 2009. We are five days into fall camp. Today will be the fifth practice of fall camp and it will be the first day of full pads we're going to be talking all about USC Fall Camp. Of course, we're also going to be talking about some recruiting later on the show with Gerard Martinez. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Now, normally in our first segment, we have the coach Harvey Hyde. He will be on the show today, but we're going to have him in the third segment. So Batting first, batting leadoff, we have Dan Whitey, USCFootball.com beat writer. He's going to answer some of your questions, and we'll talk about fall camp. We've been down there every practice so far. Dan, thanks for joining us, man. Take that, Hyde. <laughs> yeah, how's it feel? Third spot, demotion. <laughs> He's not demoted. We're just uh, mixing up a little bit. I actually have to. Uh, we got to change it up a little bit. We're going to talk to Harvey Hyde a little bit different time than we normally do, and I got to get this podcast up early, Dan. Because I am going to the Price Is Right later today, so it should be fun.
2: Lucky charm there for you. That's uh, that's where the magic happens. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I, you know, I, if you hadn't heard, I did win on the Price Is Right before a few months ago. I'm going back just because my girlfriend and her mother wanted to go see it. But I'm not eligible to get back up on stage for ten years, so I can still go be in the audience. It'll be fun, but that's about it.
2: Yeah. Well, good luck to to Jana and Mrs. Jana and <laughs> the rest of the rest of the people. Hopefully, your luck extends to. People uh, sleeping under your roof. All
1: right. Okay. So we got a lot of stuff to get to. So let's get to a couple of questions first, Dan. And then we'll kind of get to your overall impressions of what's been going on fall camp. There's been some big stories. We'll get to that. Uh, first off, there's a question from Kevin. He wanted to know what your impressions are of the running backs during practices, and, and uh, what do you think the depth chart kind of looks like right now as far as the running backs go.
2: Well, Kevin, I'm glad you asked. Um, as of right now, I do feel like C.J. Gable, Stephon Johnson are, are kind of the the leaders as the um, more first, uh, second down kind of runners. But the guy who's been the most impressive so far is Joe McKnight. Just a matter of how they're going to use him and when they're going to use him, um, I don't feel like he is an every down back, um, a prototypical every down back. I do think that he's a guy who can make huge plays, though, and, and he, he'll get the ball a lot of different places. Um, Alan Bradford has looked very, very good. Um, he looks a hundred percent, um, healthy. Pete Carroll even joked on Tuesday that he, he looks 120%. That's how good he's looked. Um, but you know, Bradford's still been battling some little injuries here and there. So it'll be interesting to see what he looks like when he's a hundred percent healthy. Um, Mark Tyler, I think and Curtis McNeil are, are right there in that kind of fifth spot. The two of them, um, Curtis McNeil has done some good stuff and Mark Tyler's done some good stuff. Those two are really battling to see who We'll get the bulk of the carries, I guess. Um, You know, if games get out of hand, I do think it'll be those two guys that you'll see in the second half of games. Um, Tyler, more of the the bruising kind of back where Moody will be the change of pace guy. The only real question for those two guys is can they break into the the regular rotation and, and get meaningful carries in close games. And as of right now, it doesn't look like it, but I mean, they're right there.
1: Okay. Uh, the the big question always comes up, and uh, people ask me this all the time. Alan Bradford, I mean, he if you go to a practice, he breaks off an eighty yard run almost every single day. And he did the same thing. I think he might have got caught out of bounds, but he took a little uh, on Tuesday. You know, t- I think it was like a little off tackle play, turned it, up, bounced it outside, ran, sped down the sidelines, and was like passing DBs. I mean, he was ridiculous. And it seems to happen every day in practice. I mean, has Carroll talked about that recently and like what, you know, how he would fit into the rotation?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked, uh, we talked to him, I actually asked him about Allen on Tuesday and, and he said that, you know, it's kind of one of his favorite parts of the game uh, is to have that kind of power running on the offense. He said that it hasn't felt like they've had it for a while. Um, we were, the reporters were talking and couldn't really think of anybody who was a true power back since Lendale White and, and, and really. That's what Bradford could be. Um, He could be that kind of guy that they go to for that tough yardage. But at the same time, he's definitely fast enough to break big runs. And and Pete Carroll knows that. And um, he's been very impressed with uh, what Allen's done so far in camp.
1: All right, let's get to uh, Brandon's question. Where do you see Nick Perry in the uh, defensive line rotation? And do you think they might move him to linebacker with the uh, lack of depth there? You know, I don't think he'll he'll move
2: to linebacker. Um, I think that. his body right now is filling out more as a lineman than a linebacker. Um, if they were the the thing is, they don't necessarily need more help at strong side linebacker. Um, it would be more of the weak side. They would want more of a quicker guy, and, and he doesn't fit in in that kind of uh, that kind of realm. Um, you know, he he's in the mix at defensive end. Um, it'll be tough um, just because Armand Armstead, Malik Jackson, and Everson Griffin have really um kind of shown to be the best three. I think Nick Perry and Wes Horton are, are kind of the guys that are competing for that fourth spot right now, and, and they're really going to be battling with Devon Kennard once he settles in. So um, it'll it'll be tough um, for, for Nick to get on the field a lot this year, but, but I do think that he's in a position to play because of his pass rushing ability. He has to be consistent, and he has to be healthy. He hasn't been healthy yet, really, this camp because of a concussion he suffered on the first day. So since then, you know, he's been a little cloudy. He got back to on the field on Tuesday, but, you know, I, I really don't see him this year at least being a major contributor.
1: Now, he did have a good spring,
2: and, uh, you know, he, he made a well, lot Well, he had a good huddle. He had a good huddle, Ryan. Um, okay, well, late that, spring. <laughs> yeah, very, very late. Um, you know, he was kind of a guy who I thought, um, when we were watching the spring and keeping track of those guys... Um, Every Every day it would seem like, you know, maybe one day would be DeJon Harris would have two or three sacks. One day, you know, Armstead would have two. Griffin would have four. You know, Nick, Nick Perry didn't have one of those days until the huddle when he went out and had a bunch and was just in the backfield all day. Um, again, though, I just don't think that as of right now um, that he's one of the three best defensive ends. And, and really, you know, I don't know if the rotation at defensive end because – the fact that those guys, um, Griffin's a four-down defensive end, um, Armstead can be, and Malik Jackson's a pass rush spe- like specialist who looks like he's somebody who could even play against the run. He's made some good plays against the run. It'll it'll just be difficult, I think, to, for Nick to to break into that role. I think kind of what it, it'll come for him is, is sort of that Clay Matthews, um, Brian Cushing elephant position. I do think that that's something that could be in his future where. He's a defensive end, and he's got he, he lines up with his you know his hand on the ground. But he's a guy who could also drop back and ha- and cover a tight end potentially, or, or cover the flat in a zone if he had to.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be one of the guys to move. I mean, obviously Shane Horton made the move from safety to linebacker, and I talked to uh, Coach Norton the first day about it. And He said he's a natural player there, and you know even though he's looking back if he's playing linebacker, he's looking behind him and seeing safeties that are bigger than he is, you know, as he's playing linebacker, Norton seemed to have a lot of confidence in him. And, I, you know, Norton didn't seem all that concerned uh, about depth. I mean, it, it's still a position, we talked about this before, it's not a position where they could suffer a couple of big injuries and go unscathed, you know. I mean, that, I love yeah. that the front line is great. I mean, I think you got Galippo in the middle is, is really solid and Mike Morgan and, and Malcolm Smith. I think it's a great line. I think Jordan Campbell adds a lot to that, kind of being that fourth guy. But, you know, if two of those starters go down, I mean, it's going to be patchwork in there. And I I think he does feel fairly confident with with Horton. But I don't think there's going to be any more kind of mix-up unless something like that happens. Unless, you know, maybe they do look at a Nick Perry, but only if a couple of guys get hurt. And like you said, they probably need the help on the weak side, so they might have to look somewhere else for that. And, And, you know, an option, too, Dan, I don't know if you ever thought about this or, you know, they got three safeties that could start almost anywhere. I mean, you, you feel <laughs> comfortable playing nickel and having, you know, Will Harris, uh, Josh Pinkert, and Taylor Mays all on the field at the same time. I mean, that's – I don't think that's a big drop-off, even, even if you're playing against running down – you know, on uh, uh, running downs. Certainly
2: a possibility, I think. Um, I think the one thing that might deter them from playing the nickel is, is just that they're gonna, they're going to catch a lot of good teams with a lot of good running backs and a lot of good running attacks this year on the schedule – um, you know, you look at it and you've got, you know, um, Ohio State and Terrell Pryor is a quarterback who's going to run. Um, there's no doubt. Um, you know, you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, Javid Best at Cal. You've got Jaquiz Rogers with Oregon State, LeGarrette Blount, um, Toby Gerhardt, you know, Nick Grigsby even's a good running back with Arizona. I mean, those, those are pretty high-profile running backs, and that's a little bit of something where I would think you would want that third linebacker on the field. Um, the good part is, is that if you did go nickel and you wanted to play, you you know, Galippo and, and Morgan or Galippo and Malcolm Smith, you know, they're definitely fast enough to play nickel. Any combination of those three, I think, could play in the nickel. And you're right. Um, it's not like by bringing Will Harrison as, you know, your third safety, which is what he is right now, that you're going to lose a ton tackling. I, I do think that they can get creative with the nickel, and I do think you'll see it a lot and that's maybe one good way to hide some of your depth at linebacker. Um, you should be a coach, Ryan. That's really that was actually a really good idea.
1: Hey, thanks, man. You know we do what we can. Uh, all right, so we we you know we should have probably opened with this, but I wanted to get to these questions first because who knows how long we're going to talk about this. I mean, the biggest deal at camp, obviously, and I've done a couple of radio interviews. I know you've had the last couple of days. I mean, everything they want to talk about is the quarterbacks. I think we can over. State sometimes the this you know whatever the the quarterback position and we talk about it a little too much sometimes but there's real reason to talk about it right now, I mean Matt Barkley was gangbusters coming out of the gates uh, at fall camp. Corp played well, but it's just I mean Barkley played really well and it's not a knock on Corp. It's just that Barkley looked, I think he looked a lot better than he did in the spring and he looked great in the spring. Corp gets hurt, he doesn't practice on Tuesday boom and Barkley just takes over first string and, and you know, uh, Mitch Mustaine kind of taking the second string behind him. I mean, how big of a setback is that for Aaron Corp? I mean, he was already licking at his heels. I, I don't know if Corp, you know, if Corp doesn't come back in the next day or two, I don't know if there's a way he can get back in there.
2: Yeah. It's, it's going to be difficult. Um, just because every day Matt Barkley, um, gets a better command of the offense. He gets a little bit more of his teammates respect and, and he does better each day. Um, you know, he, he actually said on his own admission he may have regressed a little bit Tuesday, but, I mean, he still made some great throws. Um, and, and, you know, you watch him and you think every time I see him, he makes a throw that I know for a fact Aaron Corp can't make. I really think, though, that the big thing here is going to be what Pete Carroll and the coaches, what kind of team they think they have. If they have a team where they think they are going to need to score a lot of points to win games, I think Matt Barkley is the is is the best choice just because I think his potential your potential to score quickly is, is greater with, with him. If they're a team that's gonna wanna control the ball though, um I do think that Aaron Corp is the better choice because Corp can can kinda lead a team down the field by, by making shorter throws, by maybe picking up first downs with his feet and doing things like that. Corp also has thrown some pretty nice deep balls. I don't think Corp has played poorly at all by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No, I uh, agree. But,
2: but I think, obviously, the knee injury is a setback. back. Um, I, I know that some people are going to be holding their breath, um, you know, Wednesday, um, today, actually, when when that MRI um, comes back. Um, or when He's going to go in for the MRI on Wednesday. I don't know how long the results will take, but, you know, um, I would be surprised to see him practicing Wednesday. He might, though, try to push it because I do think he knows that if he misses, you know, two, three days, that's a pretty nice. That's a pretty good window for for Barkley to kind of step in. And, you know, we were talking about this today uh, back in the press room after a practice was um, Barkley was definitely very good on Tuesday. But what if he had been just lights out great? Like, you know, it would have been I mean, it would have been even more glaring. But he was—he's still been very, very good, and I, I'm starting to think that people are starting to believe around campus that he might actually be the best option at quarterback come, you know, San Jose State, which is just crazy to think about um, when you think about his age. I mean, you know, you—I I think people wouldn't have ever expected it could be done, but you know, Matt Barkley doesn't seem like a player who's ever fit into conventions. You know, he just seems like a special player right now. And and I think they've been very, very happy with what they've seen from him.
1: Now, what do you think about this, Dan? I mean, if if Matt Barkley ends up being the starter, I don't think you can name him the starter after the San Jose State game. Let let Corp start and then name him the starter. I mean, it's possible, but uh, your best bet to win, especially at Ohio State, if you really think Barkley's going to be the best option, you have to name him the starter as quickly as possible, let him take over, and get that experience running the front team, the number one team, get in there, be the starter versus San Jose State, and boom, you're set and go. I mean, I, I don't, it seems like to, to give him the best chance, Carroll almost has to make his decision probably earlier than he would want to.
2: Yeah, and I, and I don't think that that's necessarily the best thing for the team to name Barkley the starter early. I, I do think that they, if you're going to name a true freshman a, a starter over somebody like Aaron Corp, who's put in you know, three years at USC, or I'm sorry, two years at USC, um, and, and has been, uh, been you know, very good with the team and been at the, all the practices, all the meetings, you know, leading the, the off-season workouts, um, Barkley's going to have to take it. And, and I don't know how quickly he's going to be able to to be the clear choice as the number one quarterback. I do agree with what you're saying, though, about Ohio State, that if, um, you know, Aaron Corp Kar- Aaron starts the opener and he's healthy and he plays well, I mean, there, there's no reason to switch at that point. Um you know a weird scenario could be that you know USC goes five five and0 with Aaron Corp and then or you know after five games all of a sudden Barclays just look too good to keep on the bench where you know you end up switching quarterbacks when you're undefeated, which again just doesn't seem like a normal thing to do. but you know these are all good problems um, to have really when you when you have two quarterbacks playing at a very high level, um, two different kinds of players. It's really going to be a matter of what they want more. Do they want that kind of guy who can, can win you games with, with his arm and, and can make you know these just outlandish throws for somebody his age, or do they want someone who is going to be very careful with the ball and who can do some things with his feet? I think ideally it's going to be Barkley because he can do both of those things because Barkley, once Barkley totally has command of the ball and takes care of the ball in
1: addition to being able to make those throws, I mean, watch out. Well, here's the thing. Imagine if you just look at Matt Barkley, you don't say, oh, that guy just graduated from high school last month or whatever it was. So that's the thing. I mean, if you were just looking at two quarterbacks competing, who's played better? And, you know, the answer is Matt Barkley. And, you know, I, I think Corp's played really well, but Barkley has played, you know, ridiculously well at times, not all the time, but just well above what you would think from a kid coming out of high school and, the fact that he has the respect of his teammates this early, I think, says something. I mean, there's a lot of negatives playing a true freshman, but I think for whatever reason, Matt Barkley does seem to negate some of those negatives. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that you don't expect from a true freshman that Mar- Matt Barkley gives you, and he obviously doesn't have game experience in college, and that's the one thing, that's the big knock, especially playing in Columbus. I mean, that's, that's the one thing that I think a lot of people would feel uneasy about. But Aaron Corp doesn't really have meaningful game experience either. I mean, he's played in games and stuff like that,
2: but, but you know how it is in, the, in those situations. Those guys come in and USC at that point in time isn't really throwing the football much. You know, He's really just taking snaps and handing the ball off. Um, I really think that all things right now are setting up for if you were ever, ever going to con- convince yourself into starting a true freshman quarterback that this would be the time to do it because you've got a veteran offensive line You've got a, a ton of weapons on offense. You've got all these guys around a, a really strong, I guess, support system built into the offense already for a freshman quarterback. Um, Pete Carroll today said that one of the things that Matt Barkley, you know, and and really all freshman quarterbacks kind of struggle with picking up and are slow to pick up is helping the offensive line call out protections and stuff like that, and, and helping the offensive line adjust. Well, the good news is is that you've got a guy who's thirty nine years old and Jeff Byers on the <laughs> offensive line. You've got one of the best centers in the country in Chris O'Dowd. You've got, you know, one of the most athletic tackles ever to come through USC in Tyron Smith. You've got Charles Brown, who's rock solid. You've got, you know, guys, three other players that are on the on the two deep right now who have starts who aren't in the in the top five. I mean, you've got so much experience at offensive line that, you know what, maybe this is the right time to do this. And, and actually, this is a good segue because as I was walking to my car after practice on Tuesday night, Um, I I spoke with uh, strength and conditioning coach uh, Chris Carlisle about this, and we just kind of were talking, shooting the breeze. And and that was something that I brought up to him was that, you know, if you were ever going to do it, you know, this would be the time, I think, because imagine this scenario. Imagine Mark Sanchez comes back this year, all right? And maybe, maybe, you know, you're probably, you know, a national title contender even more so than you already are now. But then next year, you're breaking in Matt Barkley, and Aaron Corp on an offensive line that might not have Chris O'Dowd, on a line that won't have Jeff Byers, it won't have Charles Brown, I mean, it'll be a completely different offensive line. So, and, and, you know, you might be changing some receivers. Stephon Johnson won't be back, maybe C.J. Gable or Joe McKnight. Um, there's going to be a lot more turnover in the offense, whereas this year you're bringing in that quarterback in a stable situation. It's almost better that Sanchez left early in a, in a weird way for USC to, to kind of incorporate
1: a new quarterback because there's so many other veterans around him. Does that make any sense? No, no, I, I agree with you there, and uh, it's we're gonna be talking about this for a while. And I know, I, like we said before, I mean you can over overthink the quarterback talk, but this really is, I mean, the big story that's going on at camp. And I, you know, the the thing that coaches have to do. Who is that gamer? And you, we've heard about Aaron Court being a gamer, maybe not the best practice player, but when he gets in the games, he makes things happen. Will he be able to do that in the next level? Same thing with the Matt Barkley. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about Matt Liner, but his first game ever was, you know, at Auburn, and his first pass ever was a touchdown. I mean, he came into that role, and he played really well in hostile environments with pressure on him. Yeah, he had a lot of talent around him, but, you know, he, he stepped up and played well in those spots. Is there is Matt Barkley or Aaron Corp or both of them able going to be able to do that? Because it's going to be tough playing in Columbus that early in the season. After you know, if they're you know, Ohio State got their butts whooped in LA last year, they're going to be looking for revenge. And uh, it, you know, which quarterback or you know, if if it's only one, you got to pick the right one that's going to be able to handle that pressure. Because if you get down early, it's going to make it you know, you, it's even harder to bring in the other guy because you're going to be in a hole and you got to try and come back from it. It's even more pressure on the quarterback.
2: Yeah, it's not going to be an easy decision. Um, that's for sure. Um, I'm not envious of Pete Carroll in this uh, in this regard at all. But you know, I mean, people might be sick of hearing about it, but it's you know it's the most important position on the field at you know the most prestigious college football you know school in in the country really, and, and it's garnered so much attention over the years that whoever wins that job, especially if it's Matt Barkley, at this point is going to have a big big bullseye on them. You know, a lot of attention, spotlight's going to be huge. And, and the good thing is I think that both guys are really, even in their own ways, are equipped to handle it.
1: Yeah, and the Pac-10 season, it's going to be really important, obviously. And, and you know, so many years it's always been the, the Pac-10 veteran quarterback that's got it done. But, you know, USC's been able to prove that they don't need an experienced quarterback to still win the Pac-10. Um, but, you know, it, it does help. And it's going to be – they're going to need someone to get over those games if they are able to get by Ohio State. You're going to get up for Oregon. You're going to get up for Cal. But do you get up for the st- – I mean, there's games that you have to make sure you get up for. And whoever the quarterback is, they're going to have to pick one that can keep the team focused and not have that letdown game that they've had in years past. The one thing that um, – the uh, last thing I want to say about the quarterbacks, I guess, at this
2: point, unless you want to talk about them more, is that um, I think if you look at history, it, it doesn't point to Matt Barkley being able to, to lead this team to a national title this year um however I think if one thing that Matt Barkley has shown in the time that he's been at USC is that it's not smart to judge him based on what any other freshman's ever been
1: able to do that's a very good point I think we're going to end on that one Dan we gotta get going and get talking some recruiting we'll talk to uh Gerard Martinez after this break but thanks for uh joining us and uh enjoy the first day of uh pads later on today wednesday the first day of full pads so enjoy that practice say hi to my guy drew for me i i definitely will i wonder if he's gonna say something to me as a past winner i don't know yeah i don't know sometimes we might not remember you (laughs) maybe not okay well all right thanks dan for joining (laughs) us we'll be back in about 30 seconds talking to gerard martinez stay tuned
0: meet us on the other side of the break for more of the peristyle podcast We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
1: Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some recruiting in this segment. And, of course, we have Gerard Martinez, our recruiting expert. He's going to answer some of your questions that were sent in. Gerard, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me once again. Of course. It's always fun. We always enjoy your insights. Uh, Let's get right to the questions. Um, First one is from Kevin. And his four different guys he's, he's mentioned, does USC have a chance with Demetrius Wright and Joshua Shaw, and also Christian Thomas and Josh Shirley?
3: Chances, chances. Everybody wants to know the probabilities. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have a chance at, at all those guys. Um, I guess uh, with the latter, uh, going with you know Christian Thomas, the 6'3", 240-pound tight end out of uh, Palmdale, and, you know, I think the thing with Christian right now is just him getting his grades straight, making sure he's good in the classroom. Um, He slipped a little bit by his own admission. And uh, he's got to focus there first, but this is a guy who's a tremendous talent. I mean, he's explosive. He's probably the most explosive tight end prospect uh, in the country. Uh, There's nobody who's really as quick, uh, as powerful, um, can do the things he does with the ball in his hands after he makes the catch. So he's very much that H-back. You know, I I think it's a little bit of a reach to call him a possible fullback prospect, you know, is a possibility. He's about six two and a half, six three. You start to get in that six three range. It's a little tall for a guy who's a legitimate fullback prospect. But he's a guy you can kind of slip in a lot of different places. And with USC's offense and the way they use guys like Stanley Avili and and DJ Shoemate, and even Red Ellison, who's a big guy, and they used him in a lot of different places in the slot and coming out of the you know, you know the opposite backfield and blocking and some lead blocks when they didn't have their fullbacks. Um, you know, Christian Thomas can kind of be that guy. So he's a guy who's a great talent. But right now, you know, in terms of chance. The ball is in his court. Uh, he's got to get qualified. He's got to focus on there first, um, not just for USC, but UCLA and Cal and the other schools he's looking at. So that's a guy that, yeah, I think he likes USC a lot still. Um, but you know, it's kind of wait and see what happens with him academically. Um, you know, the big time corners, uh, Joshua Shaw, who's just blown up. It just seems like when you think he's blown up, he's just blown up more. You know, the next month um, had a lot of scholarship offers over the May evaluation period. He's six one, almost six two, about 190, hundred. Ninety-five pounds, uh, really got the body of a, of a you know prototypical free safety for a lot of schools at USC. He's going to be a corner um, because they love big corners. So uh, he's a guy that just came from Ohio State talked to him while he was actually uh, in Ohio. I was talking to him like 11 o'clock at night. I didn't realize he was in Ohio. And then he mentioned, yeah, I'm just checking out Ohio State. I'm like, wow, dude, you need to get to bed. Um, but uh, he was uh, really pumped up about Ohio State and his visit. Really loved it. Loved the atmosphere. Loved the support. You know, the fan base there. You know, everybody's all go Buckeyes. And, you know, the facilities are a big deal. I think when a kid comes, you know, from the West Coast and they've seen UCLA and they've seen USC and they've seen Cal and they go to the Big Ten or they go to a bigger program in the SEC and you see those facilities, it's pretty eye-opening. I mean, the facilities out here and the terms of things are built around the football programs. It just doesn't compare. And so, a kid goes back there, and he's really blown away. So, he's on a little bit of an unofficial visit high with Ohio State, and really pumped up and called him uh, his leader. But he'll be at USC uh, this weekend, and, you know, the more he's around the team, and I-, I think he gets that vibe. He's a guy that was really high on USC before he got the scholarship offer, even you know, kind of pondered a little bit of maybe a commitment if he got the scholarship offer on the- Spot, but uh, he's doing the smart thing, and he's gonna, you know, take some time, see some schools. Just got a, a official scholarship offer from Florida, uh, so that'll be a school that you know he's probably gonna want to go see too. So he's a national recruit at this point. USC still has a very good shot with him. Uh, Demetrius Wright, kind of the same thing, but Demetrius, I think, wants to stay closer to home. Washington is a school that's really, you know, giving him a lot of thought because, you know, playing early is going to be something that he's looking at, and, and the opportunity to play early at Washington is, is probably going to be very good for him. He's a guy that's at, you know, six foot six one, another 190-pound corner. He's just got some great defensive backs in this class, so he's a guy that uh, likes USC a lot, and actually he kind of felt like maybe USC was back in the lead for him uh, a little bit bit is, uh, you know, kind of came to the end of summer. So it's been USC, it's been Washington. Arizona is a school to watch out for him because he's got his older brother at Northern Arizona. So that's, you know, some family that's close there. And again, plenty of time aspect for him works.
1: Okay. Uh, Thanks, Kevin, for that one. This is a more general question from Terry and Day. He likes to send us in questions. Thanks for sending this one in too. Um, As recruits continue to make early verbal commits, um, how does the staff ensure there's still scholarships available for the late signing guys, the big name guys that like to sign close to signing day, and he gives an example of does would like Pete Carroll say to some of those top targets, like say a, like a Ronald Powell or somebody that would sign late? Scholarships are being taken, you better take yours now. And is there ever a situation where you you know put out too many offers and they would run out of scholarships when it came to signing like a five star guy late?
3: There's always room for a guy like Ronald Powell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I don't think there's ever not room for a guy at that level. And, you know, the majority of scholarship offers that go out tend to go out by summer. Um, There's not a lot of new scholarship offers that you get uh, during the senior seasons anymore just because of the way the recruiting... Curve is kind of hit early, and schools are, are offering guys earlier and earlier, and the evaluations happen, you know, earlier and earlier. Uh, there are guys that, you know, through the season that will get uh, scholarship offers, and there'll be guys that, depending, you know, how that position the need and where they are with other targets, they may feel like they need to go on another guy later. Uh, but the majority of scholarship offers, you know, by September, you probably see them on the board already. How they determine those scholarship offers, you know, early in the summer, as opposed to guys that are later, uh, it really is a feel thing. Just because you offer a guy doesn't necessarily mean you have to really recruit him hard. So there may be, you know, 60 scholarship offers on the board, 50-something scholarship offers on the board they're going to just get a feel for who they need to recruit harder and who they maybe want to back off a little bit because they feel like they've got uh, a guy that may be higher on their board that they feel they've got a good shot at. So it's a little bit of a gray area. It's a feeling out thing, and, and you you know that's, that's one of the strategic difficult things for the recruiting coordinator and the coaching staff to just get a feel as time goes on. You know, we want three receivers at this spot. Um, you know, we feel really good about two of these guys. Uh, the third guy, eh, he's a out-of-state I feel like maybe he's slipping uh, maybe we need to go ahead and offer another scholarship offer to somebody that's local and somebody that you know we feel better at as we've watched him his senior year and evaluated him and we feel like he's becoming a better player and that happens i mean there are guys that are late bloomers that you know through their senior season become better and sometimes they go higher on your board and it's like you know what we got another guy here. We've offered him already, but eh, this guy's better. And then they go after that recruit. So it, it happens, and it's, there's no real set thing. You know, it's not like, oh, we have 20 scholarship offers at this point. Uh, you know, we're going to offer 10 more in the next two months. It doesn't happen like that. It's just a feel for, you know, the communication, the rapport you have with guys, and, uh, you know, who's coming on visits and how they like their visits and all that kind of good stuff. It's tough. You've got to read the situation.
1: All right. Uh, Next one up is from Steve. It's on a 2011 kid that has a name that you might be familiar with. Uh, Kenny Stills' teammate at La Costa Canyon in Carlsbad is a junior defensive end linebacker named Ian Seau. He's Junior Seau's nephew, and he has a resemblance of frame to his uncle. He's 6'2", 230. Coming off his sophomore year, he started every game, and they were the San Diego section champs. Did he camp at USC? And uh, Any comment on his skills as a player?
3: I do not recall him camping at USC. Um, he's going to be a guy that I think you know will be maybe a little later scholarship offer. A guy that probably has to go to the camps next summer. Um, he's actually got two nephews. There's another uh, sale that's at the Bishop High School in La Jolla. Um, so, you know, we kind of have to watch those guys and, and see, you know, how they develop through the years. Um, I, you know, six two two thirty. I don't know if he's that big at this point, um, but probably a guy that needs more evaluation. I don't know if he's going to be an early evaluation guy that they'll jump on right away.
1: All right. Uh, Brandon has an interesting question. Do you see any current commitments from the class of 2010 decommitting
3: Wow. <laughs> that's that's a that's a million dollar question. I mean, that's a question that uh, you know, it seems like you never really know who's going to be really seriously wavering until they start wavering um it's tough you know it it depends on who else is recruited maybe who else comes into the class and guys start to look around and get a feel for "Eh, you know what maybe maybe I I don't want to compete like I thought I was going to compete when I came in and I was the only running back in this class or I was the only tight end in this class um I, I think that uh it's a pretty set class. It's it's really tough to, to answer that question at this point. I mean, there's been some talk, like, you know, maybe Jesse Scroggins is a guy that will start to look around depending on where Matt Barkley ends up this year. You know, does Matt Barkley end up starting this year? and playing three years and leaving early or does Aaron Corp get the job and how does it affect Mac Barkley leaving early if Eric Corp is a starter this year and a starter next year? So there's those type of things that you kind of have to wait for the other shoe to drop, if you will, and, and get a feel. You know, there was some talk... Earlier in the summer, Xavier Grimble, you know, maybe he was looking around and, um, you know, his his cousin, uh, you know, if he got a scholarship offer from USC or if he didn't get a scholarship offer. Jalen, who's, you know, 6'3, 270 pound defensive end slash defensive tackle, who ended up getting that scholarship offer from USC at the Rising Stars camp. So it kind of became a moot point. But, you know, there was some talk maybe Xavier Grimble was going to be looking around. And I don't think at this point that's going to happen because I think Jalen and Xavier kind of want to play together and there's a pretty good possibility they end up at USC so um, you know Dylan Baxter is going to be taking some official visits he'll be one of the few maybe the only guys that is committed that takes official visits because kind of a little bit of a new mandate from USC's coaching staff that I think they want these guys who are going to commit if you're going to commit you're done with the recurring process and that's different the policy before has been pretty open hey you know take whatever visits you want to do you want to commit it's fine but after last year, there had been so much drama and so much pull back and forth. And a lot of negative recruiting, when I mean, you take a kid on an official visit, you really can get in his ear and mix his head up and confuse him. And that just confuses the recruiting process down the line as you get into December and January. So the USC's decided, you know, we don't want that. So these guys were committing you know, basically from, you know, spring forward. They have all kind of said, you know what, I'm not taking official visits. I'm solid USC. I'm a Trojan. And that's that. The recruiting process is over for me. Dylan Baxter was actually one of the few recruits that committed before any of that happened. I mean, he committed uh, not this summer, but the summer before. So he kind of was before the mandate. So there might be a little bit of leeway with him, and he may be able to take some official visits. And I'm sure, you know what, there will be a lot of drama with that because USC has a bunch of running backs. They're still recruiting uh, Lake Seastrunk, obviously, and maybe that causes some issues too. So, you know, I mean, there's a possibility always. Never rule out any of the guys who are committed um well maybe some of them i would rule out <laughs> i don't know if that myth is really going anywhere uh but but you know for the majority it's you, you know you kind of have to see how it goes and how the recruiting process plays out and really how the class plays out because it can be a domino effect of
1: sorts all right uh next one international question which i know you like uh michael michael in Love toronto we've got a canadian question yeah uh, that's for emily yeah emily uh emily nerland is our canadian uh video reporter if you haven't seen her on the site uh, he made a comment that they uh, they love USC up in Toronto, and Demar Derozan, the uh, you know former USC basketball player, was drafted up there. They're calling him Air Comp Ten. He's wearing number ten, so they're calling Air Comp Ten, and he's from Comp, you know, Air Compton. So uh, yeah. yeah, that was kind of funny. But anyway, so yeah, they like Demar up there. Um, he had two questions, and they both kind of uh, piggyback on other ones. But the first one, he mentioned, uh, you know, with the secondary being as deep as it is, did you find it odd? that USC offered uh, Anthony Brown at corner, especially with guys, two guys you've already talked about, Joshua Shaw and Demetrius Wright, still out there?
3: I didn't find it odd. Uh, maybe a tad surprising um, that they took him or offered him as early as they did with those other guys out there. But the thing you have to realize about Anthony, he and probably Dietrich Riley are two guys that are the most driven recruits that we've seen in a long time. And Pete Carroll just loves that because he's a driven guy. I mean, he's competitive. And he would be that guy out there going to, you know, 90 camps over the course of two years if he was a player. And this was, you know, him going through the recruiting process. So I think he sees that and just wants that kind of guy in his program. And that's the way Anthony Brown is. Anthony Brown is just a fighter. He went to a million camps. He performed great at every camp he went to. He went to USC twice and wasn't put off from the skills camp and not getting a scholarship offer. Still returned for the Rising Stars camp and still was a good player. Um, And he is a really good player. A lot of people just... I think they're not so sure about him because of his height. But, you know, I mean, he's a physical guy. There's a lot of corners that are just not big guys in the NFL that are doing really well. So he's got the speed. He's got the physical ability in terms of his aggressiveness, in terms of his instinct. Um, He's just, you know, height-wise, he's not as big as these other guys. But quite frankly, Joshua Shaw and Demetrius Wright are kind of abnormally tall for corners. I mean, those guys are really big guys, like I said. In most programs, you're looking at those guys as free safeties. And most programs will recruit them, even though they may be saying corner because they want to play corner. They may end up being free safeties in a lot of programs. But, you know, USC, they like the bigger guys. You've got, you know, Kevin Thomas. You've you know, had Terrell Thomas. You've get you got big corners at USC. Pete Carroll likes that, and he likes, you know, humongous safeties. It seems with USC, you've got defensive ends playing linebackers. You've got safeties playing corners, and you've got linebackers playing safety. I mean, that's kind of the way it's been. <laughs> So, you know, with, with a guy like Anthony Brown, yeah, you kind of go, hmm, you know, maybe they could have waited on that scholarship offer, but the kid's a fighter. They saw him in camp, and that's the thing you got to like about the situation if you're a Trojan fan. This is not a kid that USC just has taken a gamble on. They've seen this kid play twice. They've seen him on film. They've seen a lot of him, and they liked him. So you go back to a guy like Drew McAllister, who a lot of people are going, Drew McAllister, like, why are they recruiting him? And they got all these other guys they could take and blah, blah, blah. Hey, Pete Carroll saw him in person and liked him. And usually Pete the guys that Pete Carroll sees in person and watches and evaluates closely, they're good they're good players. They end up, you know, in the end of the day being good players and guys that, you know, perform and contribute for the team. So you know, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think that's kind of where people get, you know, a little bit apprehensive because they feel like they're missing out on better players. Um, and at the end of the day, the thing about Anthony Brown: go to rivals. dot com and click on his highlights. The guy can play offense too. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that can be a special teams guy, returning punch, returning kickoffs. The guy's got a lot of ball skills. He's got great moves. He's got great speed. You'll see that on this tape. And you know, trust us. You know, we've seen him in the in the camp circuit, and he does the same thing
1: defensively. All right. And uh, Michael had a second question, but it's actually. Almost exactly the same with our last question, Charles. I'm gonna—I'll read Charles's question. But thanks, Michael, for the uh, question from our neighbors up north. But uh, Charles is a student at USC and he loves listening to the podcast every week. Thanks for that, and uh, he enjoys us putting it up there. But his question was: It's the same two guys that Michael wanted to talk about—Jackson, uh, Jeffcoat, and Ronald Powell—since they both play the same position, defensive end. But Powell can also play linebacker, and I think Gerard, you've mentioned he could play almost anywhere. He's such a good athlete, but. Um, do you think that USC should consider recruiting him as a linebacker to give USC getting a better shot at both of them so it, they don't feel like it's a if Jackson, you know, Jeff Coat comes, Powell won't or vice versa? And how about this offer Powell number 55, recruit him at linebacker or the Clay Matthews type hybrid position so they can also go hard after Jeff Coat, uh, at, Jeff Coat at defensive end?
3: Sounds good to me. Um,
1: <laughs> Seems like a solid plan,
3: I'm certainly not opposed to the idea. I mean, I think that uh, Ronald Powell legitimately can play linebacker. He's going to play linebacker his senior season for Rancho Verde High School. And so you're going to see him, and you're going to be able to evaluate him if you're USC more at that position. And, you know, like, you know, like you said, legitimately he could be the best tight end, maybe linebacker, defensive end in the country. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys who have played that position at camps, and I've seen him play that position even in games. And he's pretty good at all. Uh, he can do them all, and there's no hype there with him. He's legitimately a guy. I mean, his freshman year at Rancho Verde, he caught 30 balls for 500 yards. He was a freshman playing varsity football. So. <laughs> That's just a tight end, you know, so he's please come, he's done it, you know he's this is not like, well, we project, no, he's done it, and he's and he's shown that he can do it at the highest levels uh, when he was a kid and now going into college. I don't think there's any difference there um the fifty five thing he's he's worth it, you know he's definitely one of those guys that is that level player that uh, could definitely be a guy that could wear 55 and represent it well at USC. Um, You know, I haven't heard that from him. Uh, I haven't heard that USC has talked to him about that. Quite frankly, you know, from talking to him, I haven't really heard USC – I have not heard anything about USC really recruiting him as a linebacker necessarily. I've heard the talk about the hybrid, and with a lot of the more athletic defensive ends, you get a lot of that talk. Um, you know, even a guy like uh, Awa Od- uh, Odigizu, uh from Portland, um, you know, he's a guy that they talked about playing the hybrid position as well. And so, you know, there's always that talk with those guys who are the athletic defensive ends there's a talk with Powell, but just a straight linebacker. I think USC at this point still recruiting him as a weak side defensive end. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe maybe down the line when they see him play a little more, uh, you know, linebacker, they may figure, hey, you know, we just want to recruit you a linebacker. At some point they may decide, you know what, we like you as an athlete and we're not going to really, you know, label you with a specific position. Jackson Jeff Jeffcoat, all the way defensive end, you know, recruiting him hard. Uh, he likes USC, he likes Oklahoma. That'll be an interesting deal, you know, down the road. Texas is going to be there, too. You know, you can't count them out either because that's the local team. And, um, you know, that'll be a, a probably a signing day decision with him, too. But I don't know. It just – I don't get the vibe, the way USC has gone about their recruitments individually, that there's a lot of – they're not worried or concerned about bringing both those guys in. It just seems like – for whatever reason, they feel like they can bring them in both. And it just seems like they, they feel like they can bring both of them in as defensive ends, too, because you just haven't seen this radical shift in, oh, we got them both at the you know, Rising Stars camp. Oh, we need to put one guy at linebacker. We need to put the other guy at defensive end. I don't think that's why they did that. I think they just legitimately wanted to see what Ronald Powell could do, just like with offensive linemen. You know, you'll see a key come in play tackle that they're recruiting as a, a center or a guy that, you know, they're really looking as a tackle, make him, make him play some inside, just to see what his strengths and his weaknesses are and to see him maybe in an uncomfortable position, a position he hasn't been in before. Um, so at this point, you know, they're still recruiting them both at defensive ends, but yeah, Ronald Powell, I mean, if I'm a recruiting coordinator, if I'm, you know, recruiting them, yeah, I'd say, you know what, you'd, you can wear number 55, and we can start you out at defensive end, or we could start you out linebacker, and if you grow into this or you grow out of this, we'll put you at another position. And, hey, man, if you want to catch some touchdown passes, we'll put together some packages and formations to make you do that too. You know, it doesn't matter.
1: All right. Well, Gerard, appreciate it as always. Got a lot of good recruiting questions in there. If you have questions, podcast at podcast.uscfootball.com is the email address. We always love answering them. And, Gerard, you always do an excellent job. Thanks for uh, helping us talk about recruiting.
3: Is that it? I don't get to talk about the freshmen on the team, or I don't get any fall camp uh, time. A lot of yeah, we're like, we're that like
1: yeah, we already went over 20 minutes, and uh, oh. but we'll, we'll, you have been down, key. you've been down there. I know. White white key white key. always takes my time. I'm sorry. Well, we'll, well, yeah, if you want to do that, we can do ne- next week. We can have you talk about the uh, any of the freshmen. You've been out a couple of practices, so you definitely have some insights there.
3: What are we going to do? A live podcast from fall camp? That's what we'll, we do that. do well, we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that next
1: week. We can do like a little roundtable thing. That'll be fun. But, uh, all right, well, thanks again, Gerard, and we will talk to you next week. All right, thank you. Talk to you guys next week. All right, everyone else, 30 seconds. We'll be back talking Coach Hyde, fall camp. Stay tuned.
0: You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com Network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.
1: Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast, our third segment. We have Coach Harvey Hyde joining us, going to talk about the team. Coach, how are you doing today?
4: Ryan, I'm doing great because we're getting closer and closer to football season. You know, I've been saying that for the entire summer, <laughs> but we're finally in camp. I think every uh, university in the country, Division One school is now in camp. They all start at different times depending on when their first game is is and so on, but it's into it, and I'm going to try to get down to FC today and watch a practice or two when they're in full pads. I like that, and evaluate not only the team that uh, is coming back, but also the new prospects. I love to look at the new prospects and just see what you've been hearing about them and so on, but see how they compete uh, against players who have been playing on Saturday and not on Friday, and normally the best players in America. So it's really good to see these young uh, as uh, George Allen used to call them, rookies. These young rookies compete uh, for playing time at USC.
1: Uh, excellent, coach. And yeah, it, it's fun. There's some really impressive freshmen, so I think you're going to enjoy practice today. Wednesday's the first day of full pads, like we mentioned before. Uh, I just want to thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or give them a call 1 800 888 7287 for concerts, sporting events, theater. That's where we use to get the tickets. And, uh, Coach, have you got any tickets lately? You need anything?
4: Yeah, guess what? I got uh, six tickets to Jersey Boys. I'm going to see oh, them cool. Saturday night. I'm going to see them Saturday night in Vegas. And, you know, you don't have to go to Vegas to get your tickets. You can get them from Southern California Ticket Service. That way, when you get there, you don't have to stand in the long lines and uh, go to the ticket line that will call and so on. You got them in your pocket. All you do is walk in and you got a mate.
1: All right. Well, Coach, uh, we're the topic for this week. Uh, Terrian Day gave us a, a suggestion. He said uh, last year, right before fall camp, he thought we did a really good job of uh, talking to you and breaking down each of the positions and talking about what these guys need to do in order for the team to be successful. And I thought we could go through. We won't be able to get through everything in this in this podcast, but we can go over this, you know, this week and next week and maybe even the week after. Kind of go through some of the positions and you know whatever we have time for and get your thoughts on. What is these guy, What do these guys need to do to make the team successful? That sound okay? Yeah, whatever you guys want. Okay, so let's. Uh, I guess let's start off with the uh, defensive line. I mean, if you look at the depth chart, I mean, Jarrell Casey probably going to be starting at nose tackle, and Spicer at defensive tackle. Uh, Christian Tupou's been a you know a big player there at, at nose guard. He might be a little behind Casey, but they you know they'll probably all get to play. Derek Simmons, DeJon Harris is in the mix. And at defensive end, I mean, you got Armour and Armstead, who's up to 295 pounds or so right now playing defensive end. Everson Griffin, who's looked really good. And guys like Nick Perry, Malik Jackson, and Wes Horton behind him. But just kind of give your thoughts on on the defensive line and, and where these guys are, you know, what they need to do to be successful.
4: Well, okay, uh, I think potentially. Now, this is a word. Remember, potentially. I think these four positions really have a great opportunity to be great now i'm not saying they're great now but i'm saying they have an opportunity to be a awesome defensive front with great rush guys big guys tall guys and in the middle real quick and powerful guys to hold up the middle of the line against the run and also a quick guy in, in case you to really cause uh, a lot of problems as far as playing on the line of scrimmage of your opponent that's what you have to do and spicer holding up the line and playing the line to the right and to the left while there's a lot of penetration, unless they're both taking the gaps. But I really think they have great depth, and this is something that, that you don't have that often. With the defensive lineman is really hard to find today. Great defensive linemen are really hard to find. That's why you see them all going in the, the first round or defensive ends in the first rounds now of the NFL draft because they're really hard to find and they really put a lot of pressure and they can really cause a lot of havoc to the offense when you don't need to blitz as much or you don't need to bring your backers as much or your safety people as much to get to the quarterback because your defensive front is doing that for you. So I really think that Armstead is going to be a load. And what I mean by that, I mean he's going to be a tough one to block because he's big, he's strong, He's fast. He was awesome. The first time I saw him play last fall in the middle, I said, now, he's going to be a great one. I don't know if people remember that, but I said he's going to be a great one. And if he's found his niche as a defensive end that big, 6'5", 295 pounds, there aren't that many in the country that way. There aren't. Or in the NFL. And he will get better every day because he's learning a new position. He's got great power. He can go and he's got great speed, so he can run over a guy, he can go inside. They're always, always going to have to block him with a tackle or double-team him. They are never going to be able to block him with a tight end on pass rush, never. So he's going to take two people to block him if they're going with a tight end, and uh, a back, back will chip off after slowing him down. And that won't necessarily get it done because he's such a, a big guy, it's hard to throw around him. So, I think he's going to be great. And then you got Horton and you got Childs and you got just James Boyd could be a great player, an incoming freshman. So, you know, I really think you've got a lot at the defensive end, at least his side, the strong side. On the other side, you've got Griffin, and Griffin came in with all the credentials. Didn't play consistent last year, but played good enough at times for your people to recognize his brilliance. He can play. He's got great quickness. Uh, Probably these two defensive ends uh, have the potential to be, and and I'm being serious when I say this, the best two defensive ends in the country. Potential. Remember I started with that term at the beginning of this segment. He's got great speed, and I think Franklin has really motivated the new defensive line coach. They like Jethro. He's on their tail every minute. And they know they're not going to rest on a player. They're out of the game. I remember, I think, in the spring game, he jumped offside one time. Franklin pulled him off the, the field. The same play, pulled him off the field. And I could hear what he was saying to him, and I was in the 100th throw in the Coliseum. So I really think uh, he will be a great player. And then you got Malik Jackson. I mean, really, what a quick kid. I liked him in high school, and, they, and I couldn't. I couldn't believe they weren't recruiting him at at first, but then they got on him, and they got him, and he's gotten much bigger, and he's heavier. I think he's going to be a great player. Nick Perry had a great spring, I thought, one of the top players out of Michigan. Uh, I I tell you, and with Devon (laughs) uh, Kennard, I'm going to tell you, how can you have four better ones at one defensive end position? Now, they can play both sides, so get me wrong, but those are all, all, high school, five-star, four-star players. And if they're motivated, they have the potential to really get after you. I mean, one might be a better cover than the other, but I, I think the defensive ends are blessed with talent, have the potential of being really good and assisting the linebackers who are really young. So uh, the nose tackles, Casey, he played as a freshman like a like a junior last year. He was all over the field. In fact, it became very hard to keep him off the field, to be honest with you. You saw him playing more and more and more as the season went along. Uh, they've got the, the new kid, and you're going to have to pronounce his name, oh, the kid from Mount Zach.
1: Yeah, Hebron Fangupo. They call him Lonnie. You just call him Lonnie. Lonnie Fangupo. That,
4: well, that's good. Then I won't butcher his name It's <laughs> he's too big for me to butcher his name. I mean, he's one of the big guys, one of the biggest guys they've had there for a long time at 6'2", 330, a junior transfer this is his first uh practice week at usc he, they are very impressed with him because of his size and and i think he's going to be a great player not to m- mention Kristen Tupu. is that the way you pronounce that
1: Tupu, yeah i've heard different names but we said Tupu or yeah
4: Tupu. yeah okay well i'm just learning these names yeah. believe me i'm not <laughs> going to say it to them i'm almost going to call them by their first name lonnie and christian okay but uh those guys for three nose tackles like that with that potential, you know, Lonnie uh, was a JC All-American and they committed to him early in the season last year at Mount SAC. I watched him play at Mount SAC. He runs well. He's quick. He's big. He's strong. So I I, I think he's going to be a great player. Spicer, he's played. He's a senior. Really, the only senior starter on the defensive front, and and I think he's got the experience. Simmons uh, I thought had a good spring and really surprising spring to me as far as how he came along. Uh, Dejana Harris is is uh, is going to be a solid player. I mean to think he's a third player, third on the depth chart currently right now. That, that's unbelievable. So the depth of the defensive line which is the life of the defense because that's where it all starts either with the pass or the run and it frees up as far as the linebackers and also puts a lot of heat on the passers where the secondary can play. I I really think SC, I would grade it potentially an A. And you guys, you know, a lot of people saying, how can you do that, Coach? They've lost so many people. I can do that because of the depth. I can do that because of the athletic ability of these players. They can play. And, you know, motivating a player and getting him to play is what it's all about so you know I, I'm I, I would say right now young talented and now they've got to become angry
1: and you, you talked about young coach and uh, the couple of guys you mentioned Devon Kennard Lonnie Fangupo now for Fangupo he's a JC transfer I, I think Being the size he is, he's three thirty, but he can still move his feet really well. I think the coaches like him and I I bet you we're gonna see him in some situations. But with a guy like Kennard who comes in as a five star guy, he's still, you know, he's a true freshman. How hard is it gonna be for a guy like that to you know to crack in here and get some get some rotations? Because, you know, they do have you know, you like Armstead a lot. I mean obviously Griffin's amazing, but Kennard's got that special talent. Is it a little harder for a guy like that, because he is a true freshman to break in, especially when they have some experience ahead of him?
4: Oh, it certainly is. I'll tell you, even a great player that he really is, because you got to learn to turn your motor on and, and, and go 100 miles an hour on every play, every moment. And you don't learn that in high school, because you're better than everyone else. So he's going he's gonna to give a, a down moment at times when some of these tackles block him and the coaches yell at him, and he's going to go through a lot of adjustment mentally, and, and not playing for the first time, and because he's got Perry and Malik Jackson in front of him who had to go through that last year. Those guys didn't play much last year. So, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I think he's a great player, but he's got to fight through it. He's got to get tough. Uh, will he be red redshirted? I don't know. I don't think they will red redshirt him. But uh, because he's got the potential to come out as a junior because he can be a great NFL player, and when you're that type of player they really don't like to redshirt you because you might get injured and they need that redshirt gear later on. But I think he's a great player. But, yeah, he'll have to, the, the, he'll have to be swimming up upstream on this. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and, and but you saw a guy like you mentioned, Malik Jackson, last year. He would pick up you know some sacks and get some meaningful playing time in those blowout games. I mean, I guess that's a, a spot you could see for Kennard. Maybe he'll get some of that mop-up time and be able to show what he can do.
4: Yeah, you know, if that happens. You know, you know, this year they they got a tough schedule, and, and and I don't want to get into that yet because we have a lot to talk about before the the games. But you know, I don't see many blowout games. Okay, I think this is going to be a year where uh, there are going to be a lot of close football games. The Pac-10, I think, is up. The toughest games are on the road. So you know, you you know, you, you'd use that term if that happens. Great but you got to get ready to be a backup if someone goes down. I think I'd rather use the term if someone goes down, he'll one of them or he might have the opportunity to play, which you never want to see happen. But I think there's that is a better chance of him playing.
1: Now Casey, you mentioned stepping up into that kind of starting role or, or at least, you know, he'll probably share time with Christian Tuppo. Uh, it seemed to be when when they would put him in even in you know, they put him in spot situations last year. He seemed to be able to clog the middle really well and just kind of be that run-stopper kind of guy and just cause some some havoc. It, it, you know, I mean, Is that the way you saw what he was doing?
4: Yeah, well, what he has the ability to do is very quick. He, he had the ability to play on their side of the line of scrimmage. You saw him making a lot of tackles because not only was he getting across the line of scrimmage, he could move to his right and left very well and make tackles uh, pursuing down the line of scrimmage when he wasn't per- uh, penetrating. So, yeah, he, he's got that, uh, that that type of playing ability. And when I watched him in high school, you know, I wasn't quite sure. But when I watched him in practice and in the games, I became more sure that uh, they had evaluated him properly and he was that type of player. But was, he wasn't a slam-dunk commit, if you remember. He was going back and forth. I wasn't sure he was coming to USC, and then he came. And uh, I think that was a big, big recruit for them.
1: And last thing, Coach, I mean, Jethro Franklin, he kind of energized these guys in the spring. And, yeah, the offensive line was dinged up, but it seems to be that energy is kind of carried over into fall camp. I mean, do you think it – I mean, as a former coach, did you ever hire a position coach and see – Group, just get better, even though if you lost some, some guys to the NFL at graduation or whatever?
4: Oh, yeah. You know, you, you see that. You see the motivation. You know, these guys are great players, but it's very important on how you coach them and who coaches them. Remember, players have to want to play for you, want to win for you. And, and obviously, they all want to play for Coach Pete Carroll. But it's obviously better when they want to play for the position coach at the same time and satisfy him and satisfy Rocky Cedo the new defensive coordinator. But now you've got it together. If you've got someone that's unhappy, becomes a locker room lawyer, and you, and you can't have that. And One thing Jethro, Jethro Franklin does, he treats everybody the same. There are no stars. If you're Armstead, if you're Griffin, if you're Casey, if you did something great, he hugs you and kisses you or headbutts you. If you did something wrong, he's in your face but with a different tone. And I think that's what people respect about coaches. you got to love the kids, and they got to know that when you correct them, you're doing it for their best interest. And I think he's that type of guy, and he works so well with Ken Norton was Ken Norton is the same type of uh, energy-level guy as Andre. It looks, when I watch them coach Norton and, and Franklin, that they're having fun, and their players are having fun. And they challenge them to go against the offense every day, and I think sometimes sometimes it flusters the offense because they're having a lot more fun on defense than they are on offense. <laughs>
1: I agree with you, Coach. Well, we're having fun here, too. And uh, I guess we only had time to get through the defensive line today, unfortunately. But we'll go through the, you know, try to go through the rest of the positions of the next couple of podcasts. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. We're a little bit rushed today. I had uh, stuff to go to Wednesday afternoon. But thank you very much for uh, joining us and sharing the thoughts on the defensive line. We'll continue with the rest of the team next week.
4: You got it, buddy. I'll tell you what, I didn't mean to go that long.
1: But no, no. But if we're
4: going to talk about the positions and so on, let's do it right, right? Yeah,
1: I like to do it right. We got time, and we can we can do it over the course of a couple of weeks heading into the game. So we still got time. But uh, thanks again, jo- Coach, for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.
4: Thank you, Brian, very much.
1: All right, everyone else, great show. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, keep sending your questions, podcast at uscfootball.com, and we'll talk to you next week.